Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pachet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Thursday, January 26th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people and using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the Start Here link, the words Start Here in the upper left-hand corner of that page, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book, His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect in my life for over 18 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again, absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you choose to do that before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. And we hope people do all of that soon and often because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives when they apply these tools in their lives. And it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, we would appreciate you giving us a call at 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1 on your phone, it will put the little icon of a hand by your phone number I'll turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code, and we can have a conversation. 
We greatly appreciate when people do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. Our intention with this work is to be of service. So how can we be of service to you? 563-999-3581. Call that number and press 1. The work that we're talking about is what Michael Rice calls the ancient Aramaic knowledge, tool, science, technology of forgiveness. And it's very different from what our culture teaches most of us about forgiveness. This has to do with removing energies inside my own mind-body energy system that don't belong. It has absolutely nothing to do with the people in the world around me. It has to do with the way I interpret and respond to those life situations and choices that other people make. And when I become aware that it is the interpretations I choose and place on life events that are responsible for creating the emotions I experience, now I'm at liberty to choose again. I can choose to create an entirely different life experience moment to moment once I am aware of what it is that creates my life experience and how it's all an inside job. And that's what this tool is about. That's what all of these tools are about. And that's why we've made a commitment this year to do more worksheets on the air and share the process either live or as a follow-up, a report from worksheets that have been done between radio shows. And we offer the option for people to call in and be stepped through a worksheet or to call in and report on worksheets they've done since the last radio show. And I was just talking to somebody who's relatively new to this whole situation and process, and um, he was asking one of the, 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 the primary uh, really important questions in this work, and that is, but wait a minute, if this person really did this thing and then you just dismantle your emotions about it, then does that mean you stay in the situation and keep taking what you what you regard as abuse? And the answer to that question is no. We're, this is not a process that's gearing me up to sit like a doormat in front of people who want to take advantage of me or use and abuse me, or say abusive words to me, or hurl insults at me, or name-calling. This is not this is not a process of just rolling over and becoming a doormat. This is a process of taking, increasingly moving towards taking 100% responsibility for every experience in my life every internal experience I have about the flow of life events that I watch unfolding around me. So this means, you know, when people say and do things that I find offensive, I dismantle my offense. And it came to me a couple of years ago to say, please don't take offense, even if it's offered. Right? So somebody can come up to me and call me horrible names and insult me and tell me I'm a lousy therapist and an idiot. And, and 
if I understand what it would take, what has to be going on inside that person for them to hurl insults at someone else, then there's absolutely no reason for me to take offense. That doesn't mean I'm going to sit right there, stay right there, and invite them to continue. It's not like I'm a glutton for punishment and I love it when people call me nasty names. It does mean that if I have a negative response, I have the empowering tools to remove that negative response. And I love the way Guy Finley talks about it. He says, if you communicate clearly and effectively to somebody that you don't want them calling you names or you don't want to be around somebody who's, you know, um, sharing racist beliefs or telling off-color jokes in mixed company or whatever, whatever it is, if you're clear about your preference and the other person doesn't change now listen carefully to the next phrase then you are not responsible for what they do to themselves when you leave you don't create their emotions just as they aren't creating yours and you don't need to stay and take abusive comments or insults And when you choose to leave because the other person has decided they don't want to respect your wishes, then you're not responsible for their, their reaction. This is based in the knowledge that we all create our own internal responses to life events. And, as we said before, in this work, if I understand how I'm creating my emotions then I'm at liberty to choose again, choose anew, create differently. And that's what the core of this work is. That's why we've made the commitment to do more worksheets this year to help people understand this powerful tool and the benefits of applying it in their lives on a regular basis. So if I have a negative emotional response because somebody keeps asking me for favors, but they don't return the favor or I'm, I'm, I'm clearly getting the impression that they're just using me. If I have a negative emotional response to that interpretation that I place on our interactions, my most important first step is to dismantle those emotional responses. To understand that if I have a negative thought or a negative emotion active in my mind, it's not based in truth, capital T, truth, what actually is. It's not about the interactions I'm involved in in the moment. It's an old tape playing in my mind. And if I act from it, if I either sit and let those negative thoughts spin or I choose to speak or act from that negative thought or negative emotion, I'm just going to make my life situation worse. I cannot improve my life situation by pouring negative emotional or thought energy into it. That's, you know, it's like dumping garbage all over the buffet table right before serving dinner. It, it doesn't improve the meal. So once I have a, 
a negative emotional response and I become aware of it and I take those calming breaths and I turn the focus inside and I either do a reality management worksheet or an EFT tapping session or 5 or 20 and I have shifted my internal experience and my negative thoughts and my emotions to become more calm or more positive. Now when I go to look at the situation in front of me, my field of vision is broader and clearer. I'm going to see more options. I might see the whole situation completely differently. I might understand 17 different ways to respond that weren't available to me when I was in anger or I was thinking, this person has no right to treat me that way, etc. And I'm probably going to make decisions that are better for me and the people I care about in this world moving forward. That's why I do this work. The more I become aware of what are the old wounds and negative thought patterns and insecurities that I'm carrying around with me, the less they have the ability to negatively impact my life. And I'm at liberty to choose again. I'm at liberty to create an entirely different experience and I'm at liberty to act differently because I'm not, uh, how do I want to say this? I'm not uh, a captive of my negative emotions. I'm not thinking this person just caused me to feel this so I have to change them. I'm free to make a change within my thought process to create differently. So hopefully this makes sense. Hopefully people have been following along and hopefully there's a comment or a question or somebody who wants to report on a worksheet they've done or get some help framing out a worksheet for use in the near future, if not directly on the show. 563-999-3581. We're waiting for anybody to choose to respond. I will remind us that this is a Thursday, and that means we have a support group option open today. Tuesdays and Thursdays, we do a support group that's absolutely free. You can show up, join us on Zoom from the comfort of your home or office. All the information you would need to join us is available on the MindShiftersAcademy.org website. And there's a separate login page for Tuesdays and a separate for Thursdays. The IDs are different. And we'd be happy to have you join us, or we'd be happy to have you pass the information along to anybody you think might benefit and have them join us. It's from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Central Time, almost every Tuesday and Thursday. We've had had some... um, that we've missed because of weather, one one we missed in the past uh, 18 years for the Tuesday group um, because of technical difficulties, and um, we've missed a couple of them because of the holidays falling right on that day over the years. But for the most part, it's fairly accurate to say every Tuesday for almost 19 years now and every Thursday for over 10 years now, 
we've had support groups that we've offered to help teach these tools and to help people gain the the comfortable use and build their skill set for applying these tools in their life on a regular basis. I had a um a, a worksheet that I did the other day that had a flashback to the uh time when I was a senior in college and I had a professor that I'd been devoting an incredible amount of time and intelligence and money and energy to who turned on me and um, accused me of um, trying to sabotage him somehow being a spy for the different department in um, the college and this was triggered by an event that was you know happening in my life today in a worksheet I had done and uh, it, it is rather interesting to my mind still to think wow this situation that was going on today a real-life situation in my life when I cancel the goal I have for the person in my life today I flash on a memory of something that happened you know 48 years ago 49 years ago and in that situation, when I was doing the release, I had the thought, I had the, the memory of just kind of collapsing in tears in front of this professor and his wife and having the thought, I am too stupid to understand the complexities of life. Something has gone on here that I've missed completely. And when I was doing the EFT tapping session about that thought and the energies that go with it, I flashed on the memory of, oh my goodness, that's exactly how I felt when my wife of 16 years said to me one morning when I went to kiss her and, you know, say I love you and good morning in the kitchen, she said, I don't love you, I never loved you, I want a divorce. And I had that same thought. I must be the dumbest person on the planet. And it, what, that came up when I was doing the EFT tapping session. So what's the value of the EFT tapping? You know, as, as I've interviewed Brad Yates, who's one of the more successful, one of the most highly viewed EFT tapping coaches on uh, on YouTube he talks almost exclusively about what happens when we do EFT tapping is that we're stimulating the parasympathetic response the rest and digest response the relaxation response we're relieving a pressure of stress in the mind and body and so my understanding of how that awareness could bubble up so clearly when I'm doing a tapping session and I'm thinking about something that happened, you know, 48 years ago, is that the part of me that would get 
shame come up that would feel tightness or tension or uh, would not want to admit that level of pain or weakness, that part of me relaxes. And in the relaxation, I'm free to make the connection. And so on the list of things for me to do is a worksheet about having the thought, how could I have lived with this woman, had two children with her, and be thinking we're doing, you know, basically we're doing beautifully. We're doing just what we had planned to do. We're raising two kids in a beautiful town. And, um, you know, our house is close to their school. They can walk to their high school. We have, you know, these two wonderful sons. How could I have missed so completely her level of dissatisfaction? I must be the dumbest person ever. And so now on my list of things to do in worksheets is a series of worksheets on that. But that memory, you know, it's like, I can bring it up like it was yesterday. I remember the place in the kitchen. I remember what the kitchen looked like. I remember, you know, the time of day. And I remember the feeling of being basically, you know, I think stopped in my tracks doesn't really cut it. Gobsmacked, devastated. There was a time when I was in Northern California and um, back in the late 70s. And it was my first experience uh, of being awake during an earthquake. And I don't know if any of the people listening have had that experience, but there really aren't any words for how disruptive that experience is the first time or two you have it. Because... You know, to try to put some words on it, I would say, I just never imagined that the solid ground I'm walking on could could function that way, could be so unsteady. And it was just, it was life-changing in a way. It, it, it prompted me to start questioning all kinds of things in terms of my assumptions about steadiness and safety. And and the same thing happened um, when that event happened. And my wife at the time said, I don't love you and I don't want to be married and I never loved you and get out. And the thought in my head was, I must be completely too stupid to comprehend life. So, as I do those worksheets, I'm certain that my ability to interact with people today and feel more solid will move to another level. That's why we promote the use of the worksheets and that's why in various ways alright so somebody just texted and I got distracted because it's somebody who 
occasionally comes on the show. So I will just send them uh, loving thoughts. And I will pull up the worksheet here since nobody else has a comment. And I will do the uh, seven-step worksheet. And I would say as I think about this situation and I think about both the time when I was 21 with this college professor that I'd given so much time to and my wife, I'm going to just do this one on the time that my wife of 16 years decided she didn't want to be married anymore. Maybe it's only 15 when she first said that. And when I stop and I think about that, that's probably about a 6 out of 10 upset today. So I, Tim, who am love, is my true essence. I'm experiencing, I'm going to say, hurt. It's like this ache. And it reminds me that I want to use a separate worksheet for each emotion. Hostility and fear are from internal corrupt data. And every time they're active in my mind, it means I'm using a process that David Bohm calls sustained incoherence. That means I'm creating my pain with my thoughts and then deciding I'm just going to keep thinking more thoughts, hoping the pain will go away. My denial causes my carbon-based memory, the brain in my head. My old tapes causes them to displace my awareness of my true nature as love and tell me the lie that I'm only upset because somebody or something outside of me is not doing what I want them to do. And my story is that my ex-wife told me she didn't love me. And get out. So just a moment while I type that in. <clears throat> and my mind now as I'm typing this in uh, is, is giving me all of the uh, rationalizations, which is cute. <laughs> Originally when I started doing these, I didn't think all those rationalizations were uh, cute, but right now I'm kind of chuckling at how um, my mind wants to minimize this. Step D reminds me to breathe and ask myself the question, if she's the one with the problem, why am I the one with the pain? Right? If she's got the problem, why am I doing a worksheet on this all these years later? Because that was probably um, close to 20 years ago. Step D in the worksheet says, the truth is only my thoughts cause my emotional upset. So I take a breath, and I think about the thoughts I'm using to cause my hurt in this worksheet. And, and the thought is what I started with. I must be too dumb to understand life or to succeed in life. I'm putting understand slash succeed in life. 
because clearly at that point in my life it it felt like my biggest failure not being able to maintain that marriage and that home for my sons so i want to punish the other person by um I'm going to put, you know, screaming. I'll just put screaming at her about, you know, makes sense, this can't be true, etc. All right, screaming at her, this can't be true. And myself, I'm just going to put depression. I mean, I just really went into depression after that. And, of course, the negative self-talk. So the worksheet asks me to release and surrender myself, my emotion of hurt, my ex-wife, the story, my thought that I'm too dumb to understand and succeed in life, my punishment thoughts, and I cancel my need to be right, and I cancel my need to make up another story out of these brain cells to hallucinate proof that my fear and my hostility-based story, that my reality is true. So I hit next on the worksheet, on the uh, app, and step two has me choose love and to, to honor truth and to willingly face and process out all of the dis-ease producing energies for and from all of my relationships today and all of my generations. And it asks me to breathe and soften and be willing to go through the physical, mental, and emotional symptoms of healing. Again, physical means any physical symptom I've ever had and fatigue. Mental means any negative thought I've ever had and confusion. And emotional means any negative emotion I've ever had and depression. So I'm willing to go through those if they arise. Step three, um, my desire, the constructive result, the exact goal that drives my pain perception is that I want my ex-wife to... And here it's just very plainly the only thing that would make this worksheet not be um, necessary is to love me and stay happily married. And in the abbreviated version it says... um, Just trying to make these things line up 
with the emotion and the trigger and the thought I'm using to create the emotion. And I hit next and it takes me to the fourth step. And the fourth step is I'm going to choose to reconnect my conscious awareness to my true nature as love. And when I do, that stirs the love in everyone involved. Michael likes to talk about the rose and the butterfly story here. The rose and the butterfly, they both have an ego. They fall madly in love. And the way I talk about this is one day, because they're living this beautiful life together, the rose and the butterfly always together, and one day the butterfly, acting true to its nature, picks up and flies away. The rose, forgetting its true nature, uproots itself to chase after the butterfly and dies because it made something else more important than being consciously, actively connected to its true nature. And that's what I do when I choose a negative thought or a negative emotion and pour my mind energy into it rather than recognizing it as part of an alarm system that's there to guide me when my thoughts are off the mark. So in this work, I want to reconnect to the loving energy. And I want to breathe and put my hand over my heart space and think the most loving, safe, happy, connected thoughts I can come up with. From Whether it's recent or distant past, I just want to change the energy in my heart space today to move away from this hurt that I began when I picked up the worksheet and breathe and soften and feel that loving energy. And I choose some thoughts that have happened fairly recently, breathe into them, I feel that shift, and then I hit next. Step five in the worksheet process says, when I'm upset, my perception is built out of corrupt data. And the thing that drives my mind to use that particular data is my goal for my ex-wife. And that is, I want her to love me and stay happily married so that I can be validated in my choices and intelligence. The worksheet reminds me that this perception is a limited and limiting picture constructed from a maximum of nine bits of data during the period of time where there's 10,000 brain cells firing in my brain, and there's probably 20 trillion bits of data hitting my senses. The worksheet tells me that by canceling my goal, my replicate mind's reality will collapse and it will give me direct contact with the denied, dissociated, and projected parts of my carbon-based memory. That part, that carbon-based memory, is always projecting and blaming others for its content. That's just the way it's been programmed. So I want to keep love conscious, active, and present and I want to choose to collapse my mind's lies by willingly canceling my goal for my ex-wife to love me and stay happily married so that I can be validated in my choices and in my intelligence. And I'm going to invite Ruka, as I usually do. Ruka is the ancient Aramaic word for the internal wisdom force, the intuition inside of each of us, 
that's there to break off the effects of our errors in thought and guide us to truth and happiness if we just ask it to. So I'm going to ask that force within me to incline me toward healing, to restore me to my newborn essence of love, to heal my denial, and heal my capacity to generate this hurt and to help me open a direct conscious relationship with and gently remove the denied, dissociated, and projected parts of my carbon-based memory. And then I go into the forgiveness pattern, which is available on mindshiftersacademy.org website under the educational materials page. And it sounds something like this. With my eyes closed and my hand over my heart space, I breathe and I soften and I gently repeat, I cancel my need to be right. I cancel my need for anyone or anything to change, including myself. I specifically cancel my goal in this worksheet for my ex-wife to love me and stay married to me so that I can be validated in my choices and my intelligence. I put my conscious logical mind on the shelf for now and I ask to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating this hurt. And I just breathe and I soften and I let myself come back to that moment where she said, I don't love you, I never loved you, I don't want to be married, get out of the house. And I breathe, and I soften, and I think of the thought, I must be the stupidest person alive to not have known this. And I soften, and I allow. And I just trust that any thought that comes into my mind is going to be part of what I need to see to begin to heal here and move forward. It's all old stuff. It can't hurt me any more than it already has. It's perfectly safe for me to sit here and let it wash over me, to let me remember the sights, the sounds, the smells, the other sensations, the thoughts, the emotions incidents and dynamics that were going on at that time that I might have been pushing down out of my awareness to let myself feel fully the shock and the hurt and the confusion breathing softening and just asking to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating this upset Pretty soon in that process, I flash on a very vivid picture in my mind of my ex-wife's mother. So I'm going to end the processing there, and I'm just going to make a note. And I feel more calm is what I'm taking a breath and scanning my body, and I'm realizing I'm feeling more calm. And about the situation in step 1A through 1E, I see, and I'm just going to write here, that I see very clearly a connection between that moment 
and the death of my mother-in-law probably about two and a half years earlier. I don't quite know what that connection is. I will explore that with further worksheets. But I'll just make that note here, connection with the death of my mother-in-law. Because her face and, and features just were very clear in my mind. And that's never come up before when I've done a worksheet. It's always been focused on my ex-wife and our interactions, uh, you know, from weeks and months prior to that time and weeks and months after that time. So I don't know where it will take me. I just know that it will lead to something because that image of my mother-in-law came up so clearly. So step C says, I ask to be shown a time when I have not fulfilled the goal similar to loving myself fully or loving somebody else and staying with them. And I put my initials in that slot, staying open to getting guided to when I may be avoiding that. And then I move on. Step seven says, a principle of the universe is that by giving, I first get the original. So I'm grateful for this opportunity to heal. And I choose truth and perfect love. And I'm going to specify here that the goal I'm going to set, loving goal for my ex-wife, is to continue to dismantle the hurt and upset I feel about her choice back then by doing two worksheets on what on my mother-in-law and her death so I'm just writing that in to the app and I'm breathing and I'm curious. I don't have any conscious awareness right now of where that might go, but I know it's going to be connected because it came so clearly as a picture when I canceled the goal and did the breathing here. So then I soften and breathe and I commit to love, to living a human life. And I'm going to do a mass canceling of all the times I've ever wanted somebody to love me and stay connected with me. And there are a few of those from the recent and distant past. And I breathe and soften in that nice, slow exhale way. And I would say my upset level is down to about a three. And I'm marking it a successful worksheet. And I'm moving to next so that I can pull it up on my phone and email it to myself for future reference. So our call in number is 563-999-3581. Call that number and press 1 to... 
share your thoughts and comments about this most recent worksheet or anything else that we've been talking about. How is it working for you to hear somebody work through a worksheet live on the show? Is it too pedantic? Is it too boring? Is it useful in some way? 610, is this Susan? It is. and <laughs> It seems as if I'm calling an awful lot, but whenever you do something... I want to take part in it, so please watch the switchboard in case somebody else calls in. I want this to be a fair playing field here. But it was amazing to hear that worksheet. I missed the whole first part, but I got right to it when I got back. Um, You must have done a worksheet on this before, maybe many, is my thought or question. Yes, if that's a question, the answer is definitely yes. The difference for this one is that as I did the the tapping session on the worksheets I had done earlier in the week, around this thought, I must be the dumbest person ever, that, that came up when I was 21 years old and the psych prof accused me of spying against him, et cetera, and I had that that huge, huge download of, oh, my gosh, I didn't remember this until this set of worksheets. I downloaded the belief I'm just too stupid to be a success in life. So so as I was doing the EFT tapping session on that and just allowing things (laughs) to happen and the stresses started to fade away, I flashed on that's exactly the thought I had when my wife of 15 or 16 years, when I went to give her a hug and a kiss and tell her I love her one morning in the middle of the kitchen, and she said, I don't love you, I never loved you, get out. And I had the same thought verbatim. Oh, my gosh, I must be the dumbest person ever to not have known or, or to think that we're having this wonderful, happy marriage. So that's what prompted this worksheet. This was a worksheet on the moment. I see that yeah. she said that. And so because yeah. it had it had that that different energy, that very specific thought and the energy behind it, it could take me to a different place. And of course, I've never had this specific goal before, right? For her to love me and stay married to me so that I can be validated in my decisions and my intelligence. So every okay, time I That was my second I, question, yeah. Every time I choose a specific goal and then cancel it, it will take me to a slightly different place in my in my mind, right? In in my stored experiences. Mm-hmm. That is really interesting. I've never thought about that before. How a, you know, a rather frequent worksheet as I imagine that must have been. There must have been so many times that you went back and did another worksheet <clears throat> and and EFT <laughs> tapping and and the neuroemotional yeah. technique I've had people test my arm and my energy on this I've done EMDR on that memory but mm-hmm. it'll be different each time that I allow myself 
to tap into a slightly different thought, a slightly different goal, and then I cancel that, I'm getting access to a different set of stored impressions in my brain because it's like Michael likes to talk about it. It's functioning on on this property of resonance. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. Well, it's I've never heard. You know, you probably I don't think you've done this worksheet on the radio show that I have been present on anyway. This particular <clears throat> the the moment when your wife said that to you so it's quite a shock whereas for you it's probably not so much a shock to reiterate that but to see where it went Uh, well you know there were there were a lot of years during which i wouldn't have been able to do this because it was just too raw yeah well and then i imagine I mean, I'm having reactions to what she said and all sorts of opinions about that, but that's really beside the point of this worksheet and what you've done right now. But it did seem, you answered the question, it did seem surprising to me that you your goal was so that you could, you know, Magda added that little line, I want this so that I can feel or do or get. And yours was to not feel stupid. Or tell me again what that line was, that goal, or the reason for the well, goal. Well, well, remember, I'm I'm in the in this worksheet because in a worksheet I did earlier, right, about about an interaction with Joe on Friday, I had flashback to my senior year of college. Yeah, and this psych professor that I devoted my life to for a year and a half accused me of sabotaging him being a spy for somebody else yeah and so when I was doing the EFT tapping about that because I had made a commitment to do some EFT tapping about that thought and the thought was I must be too dumb to understand and succeed at life yeah when I did that worksheet I remembered I, I was standing there in the psych lab in front of him and his wife, leaning up against the wall for studying myself and just sobbing and crying. And I, in this most recent worksheet, like 48, 49 years later, I finally realized that what I downloaded as a thought, a real solid belief thought was, I must be too dumb to understand and succeed at life because I've been pouring all of my life energy into being there for him and her and mm-hmm. trying to please them at every turn for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. So when I started doing, and I made the commitment after I had done that worksheet on the Internet show, I made the commitment to do an EFT tapping session and just breathe and relax and let, even though I feel this, I'm safe and it's okay and I release these energies. In that EFT tapping session, I flashed on this incident that happened when I was believing I was happily married 16 right. years into the marriage. Mm-hmm. And so that was the thought I was using to create right. my emotion of hurt in this worksheet. I must be too dumb to understand and succeed at life. 
So then the goal was for her to love me and stay married so that I could feel validated in my choices and my intelligence. So it sounds as if you were connecting what you might be calling cluelessness about this professor and his wife to having been clueless about your wife and concluding that you're the dunderhead. It's exactly the same thought I had all those years later. Oh, my gosh, how could I have been clueless? Yeah. How could I be so stupid? And Michael's book says, why is this happening to me again? But the way I'm looking at it, those were not again happenings. This horrible thing happened with your professor and his wife. And this horrible thing happened with your wife. But to me, the conclusion of you being clueless or dumb is very would be far from my mind. You're you're making that connection. Of course, it's a, a valid connection because you're making it. But Michael says why? Michael says we draw situations to ourselves, and it's hard for me to believe that you drew either one of those situations to yourself. But there's no way of anybody knowing anything. It's as if you set yourself up, or we set ourselves up. <clears throat> and you're seeing a, a corollary between those two. I don't know where I'm going with this, except that it's an awful lot of responsibility being put on ourselves for getting into the situations. Only, but but yeah, the, only, the only responsibility that's being put on me that I'm accepting is yeah. to work to dismantle any negative thoughts or emotions. Okay. There's no responsibility on me to know ahead of time, to make better decisions. None of that is the only responsibility that I'm stepping into here is the open awareness that if I have a negative thought active in my mind or a negative emotion, it's most useful for me to approach that as a warning signal that there's something off in me in this moment. And when I correct it, I will dismantle the negative. I'll turn off the alarm system. I'll have a better Mm -hmm. view of what's going on, and I'll make better decisions going forward. That's the only responsibility I'm stepping into. That's a relief, although the last thing you said, I can't even repeat your words now. I'll know going forward to be, what, what did you say, more responsible, make better decisions, no, it's that, not about being more responsible. I'll I'll make a better decision in this moment. Yeah. After mm-hmm. I've removed not not decisions about who to marry or who but in this moment if I'm acting when that negative emotion is up, I'm not going to be okay. seeing clearly okay. and any choices I make won't go well. I'm turning okay, on got it. Uh, Good. The, on the microphone from Magda's 828. Yeah, hi. Um hi Susan. So um, I wanted to mention this yesterday and forgot, and it it applies to today's worksheet as well. The fact that you were able to do the worksheet on Friday and the worksheet today so quickly, I think is very, very important for um, many of us to be aware of and to observe because I think there are 
I know for myself there are times when I, I think, well, I could do a worksheet on this, but I don't really want to take that much time because sometimes going through the worksheet can be laborious and, and very lengthy. And especially for people who are just beginning and working through the worksheet with someone else and, um, and it, it just goes a little slower, a lot slower sometimes. Um, sometimes the person like myself who is wanting to eat, why we're doing this part and why we're doing that part, um, can do too much talking and get away from the worksheet itself. So anyway, it was grand to see that a worksheet doesn't have to take very long. You proved that today and you proved it on Friday. So that was one comment I had. And the other one is how this demonstrates, the worksheet you did today demonstrates the, the way we hold on at an unconscious level to the, um, the hurts, the insults, the traumas of the past. And we do re-experience them because, as Susan mentioned, we will draw someone else in or something else in to give us the opportunity to heal from that and, and learn to do it differently. Um, and, uh, and along with that, I have a, a suspicion that you may find out sometime in the future that your accusation toward yourself of being the dumbest person in the world or whatever you said may have come up much earlier in your life. So that, that may appear at some point in time. And in regard to your question about how is it landing, landing fantastically with me. I love it. I love it. Your people are doing the worksheets online and that you in particular are also doing worksheets um, and showing that it's just perfectly fabulous and healthy and okay to be what many would call vulnerable and I call honest. I'm done. All right. Thank you for that. I'm glad mm-hmm. you're finding it useful. I'm glad that you're willing to share that thought with us. And um, we've done it again. We've come to the end of our hour, so I'll thank you both and um, mute you so you can listen to the second hour. I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. And I'll turn on the microphone and welcome Jeannie Rice. Welcome, Jeannie Rice, or whoever's on Jeannie oh, Rice's phone. Well, if I, I knew you did on my phone, I'm sitting here talking to you. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. Good job on the worksheet. You're very welcome and deserving. Have a great show. Thanks. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of MindShifters Radio, and today is Thursday, February the 26th. 2023. And our call-in number is 563-999-3581. And press 1, and that puts you in the queue to talk to us. 
We'd love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And while I'm waiting on Michael to get dialed in, I'll just say there are some new items now on the website. And so, you, you know, you can go out and just look around. You're going to find different things every time you go out. But what I've added new is we decided to put the Wellness Through Stillness meditation out there for free. I'm putting the links to these also in the notes for today. And so when I was adding that, I put it under, there is a menu item at the top of the website, and it says um, healing, and then a drop-down under that is in Michael's words. And if you haven't read those, you should go out and tap into that because there are several articles that Michael has written, and there's also several meditations that are out there. The Wellness Through Stillness is now just one of them. So it's under healing and then in Michael's words. And then you'll see, you know, like there's the how-to article that Michael just did this month. There's just lots of articles out there. And so go out and read those. Check into the meditations that are out there. And uh, so I wanted to let everybody know that, that that is there if you haven't checked it out. Also, there's a section called Frequently Asked Questions. And yesterday when um, we talked about the part of the book being translated in different languages, and, and I had mentioned that in Thai, there was an article on Rockman Cuba. And so we were tracking back. Terry wanted to get that, and we were trying to find out where that article actually came from. And it, it was from the um, frequently asked questions that someone had asked about Rockman Cuba love. And so you can pick that up under frequently asked questions, but I have now created a separate page and it's whyagain.org, Rachma-Kuba. And it also gave me the opportunity to purchase Rachma.love, just like we have a .com, .org, or whatever. They now have .loves out there. So I bought Rachma.love and Kuba.love. So those will automatically, if you typed that in, it would redirect you to our page called Rachma-Kuba. And so go out and look at that. And then one other thing, if you haven't watched the instructional videos yet for the website, you know, we've got a lot of things on the website, and some people are like, you know, well, I don't know where to find it. Well, I've created a video kind of helping you navigate the website and then another video that helps you navigate the app. So if you haven't taken a moment and looked at both of those, I invite you to do that. And at this time, I am going to welcome Michael. Hello, Michael. Hello, dear heart. And anyone who hasn't had the opportunity to observe Ms. Nini, as Arya calls her, as her genius mind puts together this computer stuff, I mean, thank you to Susan for all her support and assistance, and and you're the uh, the impetus behind getting all, I mean, I don't know. Do you know how many pages we've got now? I know it's over 20,000, but do you know how many pages are on this? Concert? I don't know, but I know when we switched it over, I spent two weeks with Susan Giles down in Florida uh, learning how to do the new website because we've changed from an HTML to a PHP and now to a WordPress, and it's like totally different styles every time we've shifted the website. And I was very resistant in going to WordPress, but it's definitely been easier. So I am thankful that she continued and was persistent. And she does have the shop complete, and that is really cool even if you're not going to buy something, which we would love for you to buy something. Go out and look at the shop and look how different it looks. And, and just the way that she has laid it out is fabulous. And 
she has helped me so much in getting that lined up. So, yes. And thank you for saying thank you, Michael. Thank you for saying thank you for me saying thank you. Okay, you going to go again? <laughs> no. Anyway, it's awesome to watch you do it. And, you know, when a phone problem comes up or a computer problem comes up, I just hand it to Jeannie because her mind is just so amazing in that direction and so many others. And as she said, you know, if you go look at the shop and decide to buy something, that would be appreciated. You know, since we've not been on the road, it has created a tumble in cash flow, and uh, we keep churning out as much as we can to support and expand and make it available on wider and wider scale. When we do things like the podcasts that we do and such, you know, there generally isn't any remuneration for that. And uh, basically, you know, just keeping up, you know, a 20,000-page website and the uh, just one after another after another. takes. I've been thinking about, you know, maybe setting up a Patreon account. I've been hearing about that. Don't know much about it. If anybody's an expert at that, I'd love to have some input. But um, we're, we're getting to the point where we've just got to find some ways to monetize so the stuff we've been giving away. You know, I mean, I, we want to make it. We actually just took today and put one more product that used to be a paid product on, on YouTube uh, this afternoon at uh, 3.30 Eastern Time. England time, we'll be doing the uh, Hear My Voice book club, and we're going to do a Q&A session on forgiveness, so if anyone has anything you'd like to know about that, I'm sure Jeannie's already put the links in the today's notes, or, and it's on the events page, so you can click on that and uh, listen in at 3.30. And uh, Yinka was asking if we would do a meditation, and I told her about this one, and it's been, a, you know, over the years, it, I mean, it's something I did I don't know, almost 40 years ago. I was back when I was had a practice, a medical practice in Atlanta, and you know my focus was more around health, health as opposed to the forgiveness and expanding in that direction, which of course is the primo way to healing. But um, it was actually a I had a uh, an office in Atlanta, Buckhead, and then moved to North Georgia that uh, meditation, Wellness to Stillness, which you can go to YouTube now and, and pick it up, uh, was something that I did way back then. And in moving to North Georgia and then moving to Florida, that uh, master got set aside and kind of lost in the shuffle. I don't even remember now how many years. It was several years later that I got a call from a guy in Canada in a uh, a crisis. He's like, I, I, I need a copy of that tape, that wellness to stillness tape. So, oh, geez. We don't make that anymore. Oh, you've you got to get me one. That's, that's my, that's my health care plan. When I get sick, I lay down, I listen to that video, and I'm up and on go again, and I just wore one out. I've actually had two of them. He said, I've just worn it out, and I've got to have one. So went looking, finally found it, and remastered it. The voice doesn't sound much like me today. <laughs> Jeannie was saying that she was setting it up to master it for uh, for YouTube. But it's a powerful progressive relaxation and then looking at normalizing the control centers of the energy system and, and stepping back to health. So, so that's a product that was in our sales catalog until today. And now you can go to YouTube and 
download it or give it a listen. And, uh, over the years, we've had I've had many healthcare practitioners that would buy that when it was a CD would buy it in bulk to uh, to make it available to their their uh, I prefer to say clients, many say patients, but um, it's it's a powerful. You know, if you if you base it on, you think about the Aramaic. In the beginning was the mind energy, not the word, but the mind energy. And the mind energy became flesh. It's a it's a powerful collection of mind energy for helping to realign this energy system that we call a body that really isn't a body. You know, one of the formal bases of this work is Albert Einstein's genius mind, where he says. Quote, on such things as matter, we have been all wrong. What we have heretofore called matter is energy, energy whose vibrations have been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses. There is no matter. Now, you've heard me talk about one of the things that I've learned from Arya, that my job as her grandfather is to be, in my essence, to be the space of love for her continuously, whatever she does. You know, even if she violates one of my goals and brings up something other than love, and I've had a few of those things. You know, my as a kid, I it was it was rough. Uh, a lot of sickness and some. Well, we won't talk about that right now. But anyway, so I've realized that my job is, and you know, this is kind of the principle on which it's based, and it's a principle on which this uh, uh, wellness through stillness CD is based, and that is that. My job is to continue to be in contact with and connected to and functioning out of the truth of who I am so that I can see, contact, and connect with the truth of who she is that is not yet perhaps fully manifest in her form. You know, she's got a genetic history like all of us, you know, unresolved issues. You know, those sorts of things happen to everybody. But those things don't touch the truth of who we are as human beings. They touch our physiology. And I, what I've learned from Ari is I've realized that my job is to stay connected to that and process myself in a hurry if something like less than that comes up so that I am that for her so that I can literally resonate with who she is. You know that line in the worksheet that says, when I choose love, it wakes up to love in everyone. It's a principle behind that. So my my real task and our task with each other and with our children especially is to be the resonance that perhaps when there's something in the body mind unit that goes off on a tangent goes off into some form of hostility or fear that by holding to that space of active love i can strengthen her essence and in strengthening help to pull her essence love, the truth of her being, into this form. So that resonance principle is a key. You know, you've heard me talk about the uh, the experience back 35 or so years ago. I've been talking about it probably for five years, so it's probably more like 40 years ago, but had a fairly large group at Heartland, right an intensive. I think it was pre-Heartland. No, it was, so it would have been within the last 32 or 33 years because it was at Heartland. We had a group of about maybe 50 people there. And there was someone who had a really dramatic set of symptoms going on. And 
we're in a process. I don't even know what the, whether we were doing the worksheet or whether we were doing the still points. I don't even remember what we were doing now. But this individual out of a group of about 50 people had this mega shift to where they just like everything changed in that instant. And I'm left kind of bewildered, wondering what's going on? What's the core? What's the key to healing? You know, why did this person get this kind of shift? And, you know, nobody else in the room seemed particularly affected. You know, everybody got the the energy shift and the, the sweetness of it. But, you know, this one person made that major move. And I'm contemplating, asking, show me what's this about, this healing thing. And what I was shown clearly was that in order for healing to occur, two things have to happen. One, love has to be conscious, active, and present in the space. And I'm not talking about a word called love or trying to experience love through a word. I'm not talking about sexual athletics. I'm not talking about put your head on the chopping block and prove you love somebody by letting them abuse you. You I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about the actual factual presence of a human life, of this state of being. And so that was the first factor for healing to occur, that love needs to be present. And, you know, realizing, and that's the idea in the worksheet, when I choose love, it wakes up to love in everyone, that that we can be that support for each other. We can help to strengthen and resonate that in each other so that we have support for manifesting the truth of who we are, for bringing about the truth of who we are into this form. That's the principle by which that woman who had the issue of blood, and it was pretty severe, 12 years from going on. And she's in the throng. I don't know how many people are in the crowd. Might have been 50 like that intensive. I don't know. Throng might have been 5,000. But she knew that if she could touch the hem of his garment, she would heal. And this is a pretty serious disease. I mean, this woman, you know, in that culture in particular, her whole function as a woman maybe a little crazy, but her whole function is, you know, to feed her family. And she can't go in the kitchen because of her period. She's unclean. Twelve years. But she knows if she can touch the hem of his garment. Does that mean she's got to go touch a piece of cloth? And let's not be silly about it. That's not what it means. It means that her field, her state of being, my, my offering would be that she was not strength enough yet in her being to come into her form powerfully enough to overcome whatever the energetic pattern was that was creating the disease. She needed support. In the scriptures, that would be referred to as touching the hem of his garment. And you'll notice when they want to put the healing of her form onto him, he says, no, it was her. It was your work, your faith that made you whole. So she reached out to touch someone cool idea out there in the culture to connect in love and be strengthened as the presence of love in her own form and throw off the energy of the disease that was going on in her body. We can do that for each other. So what I was showing is two things have to happen. That love has to be present. That state of being has to be active in us, conscious, active, and present. And at the same time, the veil of the temple, the barrier between the subconscious and the unconscious needs to open. And whatever the dis-ease energy is, whatever is creating the distortion, you know, there's only one disease, and that's an energy that doesn't belong in the system. 
Remember in the Aramaic, the word sin is an archery term. It means you miss the target. So whatever the sin is, whatever the energy is that's creating the distortion in tissue, and there's only one, and that's just a quality of energy that doesn't belong. And it doesn't matter where it is, you know, if that energy is stored, remember the mind functions through every cell in the structure. If that energy is stored in the big toe, then that person's going to have the big toe disease. <laughs> if it's stored in the kneecap, it's going to have the kneecap disease. If it's stored in the lung, the liver, the heart, or the brain, it's going to have the lung, the liver, the heart, or the brain. It's all the same disease, and it's all the same principle of healing. If that can be withdrawn, if that can be removed or accessed and taken out of the cell that it's in. Remember, mind energy becomes flesh. You think a thought becomes a neuropeptide. Neuropeptide locks into the cell and inserts itself in the cell, and it's literally chemistry in the cell. Reverse that process. Pull that neuropeptide out of the cell. That which is less than love comes out of hiding in the presence of love, and it dissolves. That's called healing. That's called forgiveness. The removal of what never belonged. So recognizing that that's the key to the whole process, cultivating your relationship, taking the time to spend time with you as active present love is really an important thing to do. And to capture those energetic patterns to create the space that's safe enough. So with Aria, I realize my job is to be that space with her. And oh, the the amazing! <laughs> About a week or so ago, she fell and hurt her neck. She's walking around with her hand on her neck, and it's hurting. So I'm gonna adjust your neck, sweetie. What does that mean? Here, let me show you. And I sit her down and adjust her neck, and she just adjusts so easy. It's just like click, 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 click down her neck. And it was like a volcano erupted. I mean, literally, I could almost see the emotional energy as I did that. And, I mean, it was just the energy that flowed from her. The instant that, that her little neck moved was just like this volcano of emotion. She just broke into tears. It was just like a whale. And then she kind of stood up and felt her neck and realized, and it just turned into raucous laughter she was just like <laughs> laughing but it but as soon as that energy release occurred as soon as the block that was in her physiology from having fallen was moved just this whole volcanic release of emotion came tears and then laughter and when we align the structure in the system and that Wellness Through Stillness CD is about aligning each of the energy centers for health. And each of the energy centers is run and controlled by mind energy. So the 20 minutes goes into relaxation and balancing glands or limitative nerve, digestive, muscular, circulatory systems, regenerative. So that's kind of what that's all about. You might, might want to take the time to do that. And beyond that, if... Uh, so if you choose to get something out of the catalog, that would be awesome. And or if you choose to support, and or if you don't, that's great too. Pass it on at least. Make it available to somebody else.
And if you have any ideas on how we can monetize what we're doing, especially since we're not on the road traveling 30 weeks of the year, which is what we did for 40 years, we'd love to hear from you and or any support you choose to offer. So, Jeannie, you opened up a file for me when you made that comment. Have we got anybody in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room? No, it is all quiet. Um, I did have uh, an email with a question, but it was on the Avison. I don't know if uh, we want to do that, and I can just send them the link to the radio show. Go for it. Okay. Um, so they're asking, does the Avison work for long-term healing as well as temporary relief? Is the increased circulation helping the body to do its own healing, or is it more of a tool to bring some blood flow and thus pain relief in the moment? Well, it, it does both. My, my experience is it does both. What, the first time, you know, when I heard about the Avison, I have a friend who introduced him, Patrick, you've heard him on the show, he was on it just the other day, and Patrick is in his mid-70s and, and has or had diabetes. I don't know if he'd be categorized as having diabetes anymore, but it was pretty severe, and he had neuropathy with a lot of pain in his feet. And uh, Patrick told me about it, and I was like, oh, that's interesting, Patrick. Cool. I'm glad you're doing that. And after a few weeks, he's starting to tell me what's going on with his feet. And, you know, he would um, be able to get up in the morning, normally with neuropathy because of the diabetes and he would be able to work for two hours and then he'd be in such excruciating pain in his feet that he'd have to go put his feet up within about five or six weeks and i may have the time frame off i'm not sure exactly but it was a relatively short time patrick's telling me about you know i'm doing this machine a couple times a day and uh I'm able to work for five hours a day now, and, you know, I get up and I can do five hours. I was limited to before, and I don't have excruciating pain at the end of five hours. He said, I, you know, I, I have aching in my feet, but, you know, I can still walk around and that sort of thing. And uh, now Patrick does 10 and 12-hour days. So it does both. So the idea, what, what happens with the Abyssin is when you heat the blood, you know, they're 40 to 60 billion capillaries, depending on whose estimate you take, miles, 100,000 100, or so miles of blood, blood vessels in the structure. And at the head of each capillary, those 40 to 60 billion capillaries, there's a set of muscle fibers that if we're in fear, if we go into sympathetic dominance, tighten, restrict, and stop blood flow into the capillary. And that's so that, you know, in fear, there was a time when it meant survival and and injury and blood flow was cut off, periphery circulation especially, and, you know, like diabetes creates periphery circulation problems, you know, tingling hands and feet, numbness, uh, you know, dysfunction, pain, eyes, you know, they're periphery. And so it's it's a survival mechanism, sympathetic dominance, it's a great thing. Fear, flight, fright, freeze, or fawning are all powerful ways to survive. And, you know, if it was meant to function that if you were in the jungle and a lion's chasing you, it's going to cut blood flow to the higher functions of the brain because you don't have to solve the latest calculus problem if a lion's chasing you. 
it's going to cut blood flows, let's say, to the regenerative organs. You don't have to think about conceiving a baby or, you know, creating sperm or cycling eggs. If a lion's chasing you, you don't have to think about generating or creating red blood cells. You don't need to think about digestion. You don't need to think about elimination. So blood flow is cut off to all of those functions in that survival mode, sympathetic dominance. But it's designed, and it's a wonderful mechanism. It's designed to shunt that blood to the larger blood vessels, so that, uh, or pardon me, to the larger uh, muscles, arms, legs, fight, run, and to the lungs to be able to take in more oxygen to be able to supply that extra blood flow for a real sprint of energy. And then five minutes later, you either are eaten by the tiger or you got away and you're rocking and you move back into what's called parasympathetic dominance, which is rest, digest, regeneration, healing, wholeness, higher brain function. So in its initial phases, what it does is it pours warm blood over those muscle fibers, which softens them and they start to open and allow circulation to go in. Now, somebody's lived in chronic either hostility or fear, which basically is sympathetic dominance, then those muscle fibers are not only, you know, kind of in an habitual locked position. If you've ever played the parlor game of grabbing a broomstick and tightening your hand around as tight as you can and then try to open your fingers, they don't open very well. Well, if you think of someone who's been in sympathetic, chronic sympathetic dominance, you know, days, weeks, months, years, decades, then those muscles are locked up and locked in. And when they're locked in, where there's supposed to be a flow of blood, of course, you can easily imagine that a, uh, a river, nice, cool, clean, clear water flowing through this river, and a tree falls in it and blocks the river up, dams it up, then all of a sudden you've got leaves and debris and sticks and branches coming downstream that otherwise would just pass by and be gone. What do they do? They accumulate around the leaves and the branches of the tree. You get muck starting to gather, and you get things living there that couldn't live in a flowing river. Well, it's an exact duplicate in the structure. If those muscle fibers are chronically locked up, then there's congestion that builds. There are organisms that start to live there that don't belong. It's called congestion. And in the system of medicine I'm trained in, the whole root of disease is congestion. So in the short term, it starts to open those muscle fibers, which tend, which takes oxygen nutrition into the cell. According to at least one theory, a 5% lack of oxygen means excruciating pain in the cell. So if you can just start to get a little bit of blood flow into that cell that's hurting, you're going to get temporary relief. Over the long term, what happens is that increased flow over time is going to, as you can imagine, if you went in and you took the tree that's blocking the stream and you started pulling the branches out that were blocking the way. Well, you get one branch, you get two, you get three, and geez, it's not quite so much of a swamp anymore. It's starting to flow a little bit. As it flows a little bit, things start to get cleaned up. Oh, I can see another couple of branches. Oh, there's another block in there. Oh, there's one that must have come downstream a long time ago. It's really locked in there under the mud. And as each one's pulled out, then what happens is you start to get a more 
um, significant flow, which cleans out the gunk. And you're back to that nice, clean, clear, flowing river. So my offering would be with Patrick, you know, within a matter of just weeks, his feet were at the point where he could work for five hours instead of two. In a matter of a year and a half, he can do 12 or 14 hours, and he has no problem with his feet whatsoever. So it has both the short-term and the long-term impact, and my take is because of what it cleans out of the system. So that's one of the primary mechanisms that's going on there. Does that get to the questions, Jeannie? I believe it did, and I will send her a note and tell her to listen to the show. I'll download and send her the link. You do have a hand up. Cool. Now. Oh, great. Let's say hello. If there are any other I believe it's Miss Celinda. Okay. Welcome, young lady. Five four one. Welcome. And how are you? This fine day. It sounds like you're rocking again. We are, we are. Without working in the garden, it was 33 degrees this morning, and, you know, we're creating this new indigenous species, um, native species uh, garden, and uh, we've started by putting cardboard over it to, you know, get the grass to transform into soil and uh, nutrients for the uh, threatened species plants that we're planning on putting there. And uh, we had a good windstorm last night, so I was out uh, replacing some of the cardboard and, you know, locking it down so that this area starts to uh, compost the, uh, the soil and the uh, grass that's underneath it. So it's a little chilly this morning, and I got a a good uh, a good bit of breathing in with being up on the side of the hill and it was icy so I did a little roll down the hill and adjusted my spine so it was a it was a good morning. <laughs> yeah, well, you must have bare ground then. Well, no, I the um, the area we're doing an area of about starting out with about twenty five by a hundred feet and we've got cardboard over it all so I was on the cardboard. And we had well, some sleet last night, so it was ice and snow. Right. You don't have any any snow on the ground, that's what I was referring to. There was a little bit on top of this cardboard, and that's what had me take my little slide and uh-huh. tumble. Uh-huh. Okay. But it was a good one. We still got it. Yeah, we still got probably at least eight inches to a foot of snow on the ground. Oh, really? Oh, my goodness. Bless your heart. Yeah, yeah. We're not even going to be able to get into our garden until April. Yeah. Hmm. So so I'm sitting here waiting impatiently for April, April. Actually, I'm not waiting impatiently, but I would love to be able to garden 12 months out of the year if I had the opportunity. Yeah, I hear you. I love it. Yeah. So anyway, I wanted to share with you when you were talking about Aria Rain. Excuse me, I have a froggy in my throat. <clears throat> when you were talking about Aria Rain and being the supportive uh, love for her, the unconditional love and the uh, space of love for her, uh, I had done a worksheet with Dr. Tim a few days ago about my brother and his illnesses and how. Um, I was suffering uh, or I was feeling such an intense, overwhelming loss, uh, imminent loss. And I realized today um, that he actually was 
my substitute, uh, probably more than any other person, or is at the moment, my substitute for um, um, the creator because I had disconnected being the space. when I was very little. Yeah, being the space for the creator. Mm-hmm. Because we can have all kinds of theological arguments and other differing points of view. He used to call himself Crusader Rabbit and and he used to call me Gandhi and you know, it's just it's just <laughs> there's such a love at the base of it, uh, that Sweet. other people don't see. They think we're arguing. Uh, because usually it takes about two or three days for us to realize, oh, we're all, we're saying the same words and speaking a different language. <laughs> and so that works out. And then when you mentioned um, about the lady with the issue of blood, the woman with the issue of blood in the Bible, um, and you were saying that um, she didn't have the strength within herself yet to connect directly to creator and have right. that healing. So she needed to, um, she needed to bathe basically in the energy of Yeshua. And so I thought, Oh, okay. Well, that for me signaled just this morning while I was listening to you, uh, that signal for me that, um, I need to be gentle with myself. Hmm. It's really important. So I, yeah, and, and uh, yeah. And you know, a point a point that you bring to mind as you say that that I think is is important in this the conversation we've been doing so far, and that is that when the res something in in my world resonates that which is based in hostility and fear in me. Right. On a level that's stronger than my ability to stay connected to love, then I tend right. to lose my identification with myself as love and buy into this false construct in my mind that I call self, the, the self that Yeshua said in order for us to live we need to die, that self that you know ultimately needs to go. And the the fact that we can simply hold that space for each other you know if, if, let's say you know if we if we put it i like to do meters if we put it in a point system and let's say being has experienced at level three on a scale of one to ten and the non-being hostility and fear-based mind is running at a seven three isn't likely going to overpower that seven that's moving in physiology and each time we forgive, you know, the idea and why one's going to have to return to and do, you know, essentially the same forgiveness work over and over and over again is because, you know, the first time I get into that level seven issue, I might just get rid of 0.01% of it. And the second time I might get rid of 0.03% of it. And the third time I might get rid of 0.03 again and 03 again and then 05 and then 07. But over time, and that time might be days, weeks, months, or years, and I'm saying that from personal experience, recognizing in my own process, I have lots of things that I wish had been gone from my life a long, 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 long time ago. But I realized that they were stronger than I was able to process out in any given moment but over time each time i do a worksheet it's like i'm weakening that level seven intensity in brain cells moving it down to a six to a five to a four if i'm cultivating my relationship with myself as love 
with the creator as love, then I'm strengthening that. So my level four goes to a level five, level six. And when those two pass, then I'm more empowered to be able to process myself. But until then, I need help. <laughs> and I need to continue to do the the forgiveness work so that I continue to weaken the impetus or the intensity, the volume of the noise based in hostility or fear that's at the root of any of my diseases. That's really, really interesting. So basically your um, feelings meter, or what Magda calls the joy meter, <laughs> which would be the opposite, of the feeling meter of the um, fear or hostility. And that is, um, it's when those two numbers from beginning to bottom, uh, beginning and ending, when they continue to, the gap continues to narrow more and more and more. And at some point when you're doing your worksheets, you realize that, oh, now I'm strong enough that I can really address these really strong issues. What happened to me last night when I was doing another worksheet on my brother was when I finished the worksheet, I actually felt worse than when I started it. I mean, I just like... Yes, that often happens. Yeah. And when we uncover um, what's hidden, and of course, the gift you can give to your brother is to come to him as the strength and space of love rather than come to him as suffering or trauma because you haven't resolved in you what he's resonating in you by his condition. You know, the person who's in illness or, you know, the person who's, you know, going through the loss of a loved one, you know, are we more fit to serve them when we go in with our own suffering and pain and go, oh, look, I have the same pain, let's suffer together, he is, you know, billion-dollar industry right. and sympathy cards, or or am I right. a better gift to go into that, you know, situation as active, present love, and I'm just here to hold the space. I'm here to be the presence of love, to help you to move out whatever it is you're ready to move out if you're ready to move something out, and to just be with you in that space. Yes, and what's interesting is when I woke up this morning, Larry and I had a talk <clears throat> and I'm beginning to see him in a totally different light than I've seen him in the past. Um, and it's really, I, I, I'm appreciating him so much more and, and actually being nice. uh, in a space within myself where I can validate his feelings as honorable no matter what they are, you know, that they're his feelings. And, and it's really difficult for me to validate hostility. Uh, anger feelings. It's much easier for me to validate fear feelings because that was my drug of choice, as I mentioned. Right. They're both adrenaline-based, so right. I just use fear as my drug. Uh, and then I squish down. I, I squish down the spring of my hostility, and now that hostility is coming out in all kinds of colors. <laughs> and um, Opportunity. What? So I kind of, there was like a healing process that must have taken place during the night because Larry said when he came out that I looked like the most lost child in the universe, <laughs> hmm. uh, which I probably right. was while I was doing the worksheet, you know, the confusion, the 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 fear the you know all of this the grief the the, the loss symptoms of, of healing yes yeah 
Yeah. And so the release that you were talking about, little Ari, is release. I thought that's basically what happened. I, joy, I used to say joy was missing in my basket when I came down. Well, now I know I, I mm. dropped it out when I disconnected. And um, the, uh, the now to learn the distinction between when I actually feel joy and my heart expands and when I'm being the jester, when I'm being the funny person, because right. I need someone to agree with me, or as um, a defense, I, I because I like being a clown, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with being a clown. Yeah. If I can uh, serve a function, that clownness has to come from my joy, however, not not my pain and not my trying to fix everybody and keep right. all of us from killing ourselves or each other. You know. So, and yet, it, at the same time, Celinda, when as you say that, you know, one of the reasons why a lot of people create disease and leave their bodies is uh-huh. because there's no place for them to land. I think, you know, over the years of working with alcohol and drug addicts, what I've noticed is that they're some of the sweetest people, but there was nowhere for them to land. That's right. And their alcohol no and drug addiction right. was a way to anesthetize against the pain of not being received. So just right. being the space that you're talking about with your brother and being able to receive him, you know, receiving energy is a powerful energy dynamic. And just being able to receive him on a new level could make the difference between whether he decides to stay or go. And that's uh, Dr. Tim uh, has uh, very gently encouraged me to look at my preaching aspect, my teaching, preaching, getting lost in my brain and not really making the connection, um, not understanding when I passed over sharing into preaching, preaching um, mm. that I had to have people see it my way. And maybe it was so I could feel understood. I can see now that ground of being. Well, I, call, I, I say that for me, there is a vast difference between information and understanding. And like my two Bible um, verses that I love the most are be still and know and knowing for me is information and um, experience left brain kind of processing uh, and then the other one is above all else get the understanding and it's very interesting they both come from the Old Testament don't they uh, how, mm-hmm. how, how sweet well, they were struggling that. with it they were trying to understand it <laughs> yeah they were and so now I call my understanding, understanding that space you're talking about, that firm terra firma or whatever it's called, that firm ground. Solid earth. Solid earth, yeah. And the space to breathe and to be and the validation of my perspective as being valid, even if I don't agree with it or someone else doesn't agree with it, it is where I'm standing in the moment. Yeah. So I really appreciate cool. what you and Jeannie have said this morning. And cool. so I and also another protect us until we're ready to let them go. Yeah. yeah. Is that a possibility? Yeah. Say it again. And remember, 
our disease is actually we are our protection until we're ready to let them go. We've got enough space. We've got enough breath. We've got enough uh, validation from something or someone, uh, uh, and right. most are on most ourselves uh, when we get that that powerful. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. So to have to get rid of my diseases, any uh, even. I have to get rid of this because I'm not perfect. If I if I have all called forgiveness, right? Uh, one called forgiveness. I, I think I'm. Yeah, I think I mentioned to you that my drug of choice was uh, food, bulimia. I think I mentioned that to you, right? Twenty three mm-hmm. years as a bulimic. Yeah, and so uh, I look at all of that, and I realize now that hate, that hate I felt back then was so, so intense, self-hatred that I I couldn't. And and going through the 12-step program has really given me a lot of compassion for people who are drug addicts, a lot of compassion. Not mercy, not saying, oh, you poor little thing, you know, it's compassion of just, yeah, walking walking beside them and saying, hey, I got my issues just like you, you know, yeah. So thank you. Another, sure. Yeah, another point, and thank you, a lot of good points raised, but another thought that comes is to recognize that when I'm standing on my terra firma, I may be standing on my disease and trying to claim it. I remember, what is it, Richard Bach that uh, used to say, or has in one of his books, you know, argue for your limitations and surely your they're yours. And they're, they're yours. And so, right, I love that Yeah, book. and so the the willingness to think I'm on terra firma, I'm on solid ground, but to recognize when it's not and somebody might call me on it, and rather than, well, my habit mind, my non-being mind says I have to protect this terra firma because it's my terra firma uh, right. and it's my disease I'm protecting. So good idea right. once, you know, to, to be able to at least receive the feedback and go, oh, maybe I should question yeah. this terra firma and maybe I'm protecting my disease and I could be letting it go right now instead of, you know, getting into some sort of a pl- posture where I'm restricting my breath, tightening my physiology and defending yeah. my space. Right. Because truth right. doesn't and need goes, any defense. Right, and that goes for my beliefs and my uh, perceptions and my thoughts and everything else, not just my diseases, because the diseases arise out of those anyway. And I don't have to agree in the moment, but what I'm finding is that now I'm being able to listen a little more and say, thank you, thank you for that input. And um, I will make sure that I look at it, and it might go on the shelf at the moment, but uh, I really appreciate all that information. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's an important part of communication, being able to receive information. Yeah, and and no wonder I can't communicate well or listen well. It's like my eyes and my ears, or issues I have with my eyes and my ears. Duh. <laughs> and duh in love, you know. It's, it's, an, it's really a no-brainer if I really sat down. The one other thought I had to share with you was about terra firma, and that is 
I have been deathly afraid. I have not deathly afraid. I have been afraid of water all my life. So the mere fact that I was able to get on a 30-foot sailboat and cross the ocean with Larry and a crew of two. That's a big deal. Uh, Oh, yeah. It was like, oh, my God, the denizens of the deep and and how often water has been a metaphor for our emotions and all of the predators in my water, fear of predators, you know, stingrays and sharks and poisonous snakes and seagoing crocodiles and you, you name it, you know, <laughs> and including tankers power, that almost, yeah, including tankers that almost that. cut our boat in half. Yeah, yeah, all of those things. Back when my children were small, only were maybe three and a half and five, and we arrived in Fort Lauderdale, and it was uh, uh, July 4th, and we had a friend who had a concrete bottom boat, and he said, hey, why don't you guys come with us? They'd just been in one of our classes. We just connected with them. He said, why don't you come with us? And, you know, we're going to go out off the beach in Fort Lauderdale and watch the fireworks. Well, oh, that sounds like fun, so off we go. And uh, the fireworks are over, and we're coming back in, and we're following some other boats. And uh, a boat goes a particular path, and this fellow is a fairly experienced captain, follows the path. This boat's obviously going there. It's safe. And all of a sudden, we're hitting bottom, rock bottom, with a concrete-based boat, sailboat. And we watched the boat that he was following, which was not, I guess, made of concrete because it literally broke up. I mean, we're only a couple hundred feet from shore, but it literally broke up and you know landed on shore in pieces. And oh, wow. we were stuck there for about, oh, eight or nine hours. And the way we finally got off was each time a wave came in, we we took the uh, dinghy, went out and uh, and set an anchor. And every time that the uh, a wave would come in and raise the boat off the rocks, we'd pull it out a few inches and crash onto the rocks, crash. And we did that for hours. And we had called Whoa. the Coast Guard because we had two little kids on the boat. And the Coast Guard said, right. we're not going through near there. We had a boat break up there just a few weeks ago. You're on your own. So I, I gained a whole lot of respect for the ocean that, uh, yeah. that time, the power that's there, and the open ocean, a whole other level for sure. Oh, yeah. And uh, just like... Um so there are denizens of the deep in our emotional system, and and uh, we need to avoid them if we're not ready to deal with them because they're not going to show up unless we call them to us out of negativity, out of fear or hostility, or um, un, un, until we're ready to deal with them. And we need each well, other. Well, actually, yeah, actually, if they're if they're in there, we're calling for it continuously, whether we're ready or not. Is kind of irrelevant. If right. the energy pattern is there, then there is an energy wave that radiates out that information and calls specifically to the denizen out there that matches the denizen in here that needs to be healed. So uh, definitely uh, oh, willingness a is, a, is a, a big piece of the puzzle. That's a good reminder. Thank you. I, um, it's, it's all that process of discernment, isn't it? It is, and you know, I had the, the a really 
powerful look at that years ago. I used to keynote at a conference called Global Sciences, and you've probably heard me speak about this. I do it every once in a while, and Marcel Vogel showed up with his Delaware camera and showed us the pictures. I mean, that was like a... Uh, a, a eureka moment for me. I mean, I was my sure. background was in physics. I talked in terms of energy. I was teaching this work, but but having those pictures where you could literally see, you know, with this particular camera that could measure frequency, you could see the high energy waves leaving the mind when you think a thought. I mean, that's just whew, that adds a whole other level to it. And recognizing that, you know, by definition. Everything is energy, and by definition, energy is motion. Anything that's in motion creates an energy wave and is going to tend to draw to it whatever is like itself. And so definitely the willingness to embrace what moves and comes is a, is a whole other level of willingness and a, and a skill to be developed. And, of course, then that's holding really the space for whatever moves. Right. That's interesting you say that because I was listening to some um, uh, talks on um, mindvalley.com or whatever it's called, you know, a lot of uh, spiritual work going on there. And the lady that I was listening to on her talk was talking about this particular book, and I don't remember what the name of it was, where the, the gentleman who wrote it had a, an energy scale. And he was saying that love is like 100% of this energy scale. And then down, maybe you know about it, zero on the bottom. And that anger was a higher level than fear. And I went, I don't get it. You were coming up the ladder. Right, right. And now I get it because one of my big things was hopelessness or is that I'm working through is hopelessness and helplessness and what's the use and futility it doesn't work I'll never be perfect and you know all this all this stuff is now bubbling up Um, but now what's coming out is hostility as well as the fear so it's like I feel like I'm climbing this ladder or something and then exactly. I went, oh, now I, now I understand what they're talking about. So I not only deal with my fear and my loss and my grief and my hopelessness and my helplessness, but now we get to deal with stuff that I couldn't have dealt with before. So right. I appreciate strength all Strength to strength. Strength to strength. Strength Thank to you, strength. Sir. There a little, Thank there a little. And with stammering lips and another tongue, does the Creator instruct us? And actually, that means with no. stammering ears and, and, and the unwillingness to listen, the Creator has to break through. And yeah, now I, I'm familiar the... with something you might want to do, thinking about that. And his name isn't coming to mind. It's a short name, four letters, I think. The fellow who wrote that book on levels of energy. But one of the things you might want to do is go to our website, go to whyagain.org, and then click on the Kabor's Manuscript. We've got all 515 pages of the manuscript there. It's beautiful. But beyond that, you might want to just flip through in a quiet space, like a meditation, those pages. There was a group out in California working with his work. Again, his name's not coming to mind. But they measured the Kaboris manuscript. And on the scale of... I believe it was a scale of 1 to 100. The Kaboris measured the highest of anything they'd ever measured, and it was something like 98. 
Frederick Dodson. Now, is that Kaburus manuscript the whole New Testament, or is it without John and... It's the whole eastern. It's the whole eastern canon of the New Testament. Jeannie, did you come up with his name? You probably did. Frederick Frederick Dodson. No. Um, the levels of energy is by Frederick Dodson, and climbing okay. the levels there's, of energy scale is by Frederick Dodson. Okay. Yeah, there's a different book that was done by an MD, the short name. And uh, he had he did quite a bit of work, and one of the people that I had had studied with me also was in a group in California, and that's when they put the manuscript. And uh, just spending time, I know that when I I traveled for about a year with that, and every night I had it in a case under my bed as I was traveling, uh, when I was getting some uh, uh, photography work done with it, and uh, it was you could feel the energy of it. And when I would open the book in front of a group, people would just gasp. The energy was there. So you might find it interesting to just flip through the pages on the website and just tap into the energy of that manuscript. Now, that's all in Aramaic, right? So you're just meditating on the energy? Exactly. Yeah, just the vibration of it. Remember the Aramaic language, the letters of the Aramaic alphabet, it's the only language on the planet that is based in the physics of the world. The letters of the Aramaic alphabet are 3D shadows. If you took, let's say, the um, carbon atom and you shone a light through it, the shadow, the 3D shadow that would it would cast would be one of the letters of the Aramaic alphabet. So each letter is a 3D shadow of the atomic structure of the universe. And uh, so, yeah, I, I know you wouldn't be able to read it. I can't read it either, but you might just spend some time with that. And I don't know if you've got the book Enlightenment, but that's what we've published so far from it. And it has first century dictionary and such. You know, it might be something you might want to get a hold of and spend some time with those. Now, I bought that book words. from you, and I was wondering if it's still the same price because I'd like to order about two copies, which I'll do privately with you for um, – sure couple of friends of mine and hebrew does not have that same is hebrew no. also energetic so they their their hebrew. their letters are different and arabic their letters are different the arabic is different the hebrew letters are different but modern hebrew as i understand it uses aramaic characters I'm not oh, cool. fully conversing with it, but as I understand it today, that's the characters that are used. But Hebrew is a daughter language to the Aramaic. Yeah. And, and yes, Arabic it's, still on, it's just on the catalog removed, in there. Right. Uh, so Arabic is much more removed than Hebrew from the the Aramaic. Arabic is a different structured language, yes. Okay. And right. interestingly, the Muslim faith comes out of a text that was originally written in Aramaic, as does uh, the Christian faith. Okay, cool. As does now, the uh, Hebrew, Abrahamic, all Abrahamic religions. Yeah, right. Now, um, I want these sent directly to these people rather than coming to me. So uh, does the website... No, I don't want to do it by website. You, I'd rather write a okay. check for you. Yeah, if you want to do that and uh, just include the addresses with it, we'll we'll send it out as soon as we get it. Okay. And is that and the shipping would be? It's twenty five, and then the shipping okay. on those, Jeannie, would be. 
They did. They shipped about separately eight. if they wanted two different people. Eight each, so it'd be yeah. twenty-five, fifty, yeah. sixty-four dollars. Okay. So yeah, we'll get it taken care of, I and the show's going to cut us off any but, uh, second. Okay, thank yeah, you. However, fits. All right. Yeah. Appreciate you. Uh-huh. Well, thank you, everybody, Bye-bye. for joining us, and uh, create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Bye.